Brave Moment is a space to be yourself, to reflect on the ordinary and extraordinary moments that are part of everyday life. I hope we can heal, laugh, share wisdom, and just be brave together. Welcome back. You are tuned into Brave Moment with Mali Ngamalo, of course. And today I have a lovely guest. She's a little bit of a blast from the past, if I can mm-hmm. say that. Um, but the lovely Lerato Pagate. Hi, girl. Hi, Mali. How long has it been now that we've known each other? Oh, my God. I, I was like 17, 18 first year, so like 17, 18. Let's not give away our age yet now. <laughs> but it, it's some numbers we got. We got some numbers, <laughs> yes. Uh, welcome to the table, figuratively speaking, today, because we're actually in a different space. This is an exciting space, which we'll d- delve into. Um, we're in a studio. We're at Alice House um, on the floor. So if you guys hear some echoes and some like cars... We just gotta roll with it. This is the vibe today, and this is what we're doing. Um, and we're making magic as we do it. So, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you here. I know, it's so exciting. Okay, before we get started, tell us who Lerato is. I can tell you who Lerato is today. <laughs> Which is perfect, that's what we need. We need the real time. Lerato Pagade. Um, first and foremost, George mm. Mizana, um, I'm a photographer. Okay. I've recently given myself permission to say that because I do it now on a full-time basis. Yeah. Um, and a future filmmaker. That's so exciting. Yeah, so I'm a storyteller, I think, a visual storyteller, um, and I'm still exploring the different ways that that's going to come alive. Okay, so today, for you guys who are listening, we're actually talking about the journey that she's taken. So she wasn't always a photographer, um, a storyteller, perhaps, yes, always been a storyteller, but I want us to... To take us, please, on a journey of like where you were before and where you are now. For those who don't have the context, Lerato has had a very interesting career experience or journey. Um, she started off in corporate um, at actually one of the top consulting firms in SA. So in the world, in the world. Sorry, sorry, in the world. Um, and I think that's like important to. Kind of recognize mm. and the reason why i want to recognize that is because how did you get yourself to a point where you are a jazz photographer you're now in the process of making a film mm. you know you've gone to the grahamstown festival and showcased there how does that happen like how, yeah, what is the journey? <laughs> What's the burning bush? Yeah, like, whoa. You know, how do you go from one end to the other end? Yeah. It's so funny. Um, the benefit of hindsight mm. is that you start to pick up the clues that you were ignoring along the way. Yes, that is actually very true. And um, so when we were in varsity, I remember I always used to say, I wish I was a humanities student. Yes, you actually did used to say that. Mm-hmm. All the time. So even though I was studying commerce, um, I had this draw yeah, to the humanities. And even where I... So I ended up doing my honours in economics at Rhodes. Mm. And part of why I chose Rhodes is because they take a very human-first approach to economics. Oh, nice. Um, whereas other institutions choose the science part of it. Yes. Um, whereas I think the, the alternative perspective is everything is made up mm-hmm. um, because economics only works if the assumptions apply. And yes. most of the time the assumptions don't apply. It's mm-hmm. like who is the rational man? Yes. Do you make rational decisions, etc. And so going and doing my honours was the beginning of me starting to honor that I want to 
I, I want to take a different perspective mm-hmm. on this traditional part that is economics. Mm-hmm. So I could, yeah, I could explore the humanities side of economics. I did like development economics. I did the history of the South African economy. I did, and it was, it's still been my best intellectual year ever. I feel like I learned the most. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but I think there was still part of me that wanted to be the shiny kid you know, mm. who was collecting gold stars mm. um, and so yeah applying to I applied to the internship in my in that June July period mm-hmm. um, and you do the internship and depending on how you do that's whether they give you a full-time offer or not mm-hmm. So I showed up, I did the things, you know, um, and qualified uh, to be employed by them. And look, I I enjoyed the experience. Ish. Ish. I made some good friends and I learned a lot. Yes. And it gave me, it was an accelerated experience. I imagine so, yeah. Yeah, because we were working crazy hours, like 60 hours was normal that was average yeah that's wild week. um we were traveling 10 days back in the country four days a mm. lot um we were client facing right from the beginning so the the kind of professional confidence that you built yes came much sooner and i didn't need to stay as long yes because of um, but what I saw when I was there was I was more attracted to the people side yes. of the work. I wanted to problem solve for people mm-hmm. instead of problem solving for profit. Got you, yes. Um, and so, yeah, so so that was another like little Easter egg that when I look back, I'm like, okay, there's, there's, there's a golden thread here. Um, yeah, and then I went and did... Started my master's anyway. Yes. We can talk about that. (laughs) Um, And when I came back, started a business in the talent space, talent advisory. Yes. Um, And I think that was important for me to build. So we've spoken about uh, intellectual confidence. Yes. Then there was the professional confidence. Yes. Then I think building entrepreneurial confidence was really important. Yes. So knowing how to take your ideas, package them, make someone believe in them, like take a chance on you. Yes. Uh, and then close the deal as well, get paid. Because <laughs> you got to make the money. Exactly. Um, I think that's what I took with me um, out of that. Um, yeah, and then the pandemic happened. And mm. I think all of us had to face ourselves in different ways. Sure, yeah. And we realized just how, well, I realized just how precious life is. Mm. You know, there's that poem that says, what will you do with this one wild and precious life? Yes. Um, and yeah, that was like a turning point for me. It was where I started to be a little bit bolder about the fact that I am creative, you know, mm. that I wasn't built for the usual grind. Yes. Um, yeah, and then started to have to give myself permission to try it out. So we can talk about specifically how I started photography, but like that's the, the, the journey. story. That's yeah. the journey how you took yourself from being corporate, independent businesswoman to now being independent in a different way, like in a creative, artistic, very expressional, I guess you said visual, um, visual artist even, if you may. Um, it's okay, that's the journey. So, like anything in the journey of moving from something that you've built the foundation and laid, I guess the work and also built your credibility mm-hmm. on. Because yes. that's what happens, right? Do we finish school? We spend years building ourselves, learning this thing. Mm-hmm. And then we wake up one day, not even one day, maybe we've always, like you're saying, the Easter eggs have always been there. And you kind of wake up and you're just like, hold up, I get to be more than just this person who's chosen this corporate path or whatever path you've chosen. And I can do, 
other things because as a human being, I'm multifaceted. So I suppose in that journey, what a lot of people will see from the outside is like kind of the aha moments and or not even the aha moments, like the spotlight moments. Mm-hmm. What you're willing and ready to share. I'm very curious about what what role for you in the journey has worthiness played like feeling worthy feeling like you belong because I understand as somebody right now like I'm doing this podcast thing and it's a new thing and it's like that question of who do you think you are and I think previously before we started recording we made mention to like how that is such a key part to anything that you start or anything that you you know open yourself up to that's new Mm. Um, and so basically how has that been for you that journey of like Mm. giving yourself permission you've said like you've arrived at a point of giving yourself permission like how did you maybe not like arrive because I think you're just still on that journey but like what has the the internal role of feeling like you're worthy to even be here Mm. and call yourself a photographer, a Mm. visual artist, a filmmaker? Mm -hmm. Look, it's an ongoing process. I think so, yeah. (laughs) Um, The biggest blessing has been that for a long time, especially at the beginning, I didn't have to think about worthiness because it felt like I was being obedient to the instructions I was being given. By who? For me, to take on Abandubamke. Yes. And my people. Um, so I you know, mentioned earlier about a year ago, or more than a year ago, I had the instruction that said, go to Gramstown. Yes. And I booked my Gramstown accommodation and everything. Didn't I ask why I'm going? But yes. I just had this like strong knowing. You know when you know that you know that you know that yes. you need to go. And I also knew I had to go alone. So I had to have that conversation with my husband like, um, you're not invited. Wow. <laughs> you can join me at the end, but there's something, there's something waiting for me in Gramstown. And then as time drew nearer, it was like I was pointed towards the direction mm-hmm. now of photography. So I started seeing more of these like black and white performance photos on mm. Instagram. And then I was, I kind of connected to one particular person, mm-hmm. Pumolo. And again, the instruction was ask him to be your teacher. Wow. And so I reached out to him on Instagram and I was like, hey. <laughs> if that's not a brave moment, I don't know, hey. But I also learned the price of not being obedient, which is regret and many things. Mm-hmm. So I'm committed to being obedient. I love so, that. Um, so I reached out to him and I said, look, I'm going to save some money. I respect your experience. So mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to teach me anything for free. Um, please allow me to to offer this. Yes. Um, and please may you teach me, you know, what you know. And funny enough, he had never been in that position before, so it was like need to both of you guys. Us, yeah. Anyway, so fast forward a little bit, um, he ends up not being able to come down to Bramstown, and I end up having to go. Okay myself and he introduced me to his mentor yes so again I think the wild thing was in as much as I felt like I don't know what I'm doing I've only had one or two sessions with Pumulo here is this like really experienced guy Jono yeah um, having the attitude that I'm here to learn yes set me free a little bit from the worthiness conversation. Okay. It, it allowed me to put it... <laughs> to be a student. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
as now I'm starting to figure out what building a career as an artist will look like. Um, making my work available to the public so that my art can feed me and sustain me and sustain itself. Mm -hmm. That's when questions of worthiness started to become activated. That's interesting. Don't you find it fascinating how when you are giving yourself permission to learn something or like there's this quote that I really like that talks about how be brave enough to suck at something new. Yes. Um, and that's, a, that's exactly how I see it when I think of like anyone who's trying something is like just being open enough to be a student to this thing that you're doing. And um, I'm all about beginner's mindset, by the way. Yes. Yeah. self permission <laughs> to be a beginner. Make bad art. And also, who knows, that like bad art to you might yes. be somebody else's like, wow. Which is also so fascinating because yes. the journey is so complex, man. Yeah. Um, okay, so you, 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 you're saying that right now you're in a place where you feel like only now the worthiness conversation mm. is starting because now you're trying to commercialize yourself mm. and make your gift the thing that, that feeds you and keeps you and um, sustains your livelihood, essentially. Um, before we got onto this conversation, there was some nuggets that you were dropping about inherent worthiness. So maybe not necessarily linked to your art, but I do think like it's such an important piece of the conversation yes. of being a human being yes. and how, as people, I think we really do find ourselves in more positions than one where we feel so unworthy, like we're not enough, like we're not doing enough in relationships at work. Um, and I know this has generally, not I know, I am making an assumption here, which I think I welcome you to correct, um, that this does tend to play a role in somebody who is stepping, who is in corporate mm. consulting, um, and stepping into a very creative-based life, mm. right? So I know a lot of worthiness gets attacked when you're in corporate, especially because, I, you know, I've been there, I've had the experience of, like, not feeling like I'm good enough. I, in a previous podcast, I spoke about how for seven years straight, I had, like, massive anxiety mm. when it came to work. Like, every day felt like, this is D-Day, I could lose my job, mm. which is crazy. Like, a crazy amount of stress and strain to live under. And, How can you think? Right. <laughs> and um, and then also be your best self yeah. in that environment. Yes. And versus now that I consider myself as a freelancer, somebody who is stepping into her creative space um, and owning my full self mm. and growing and allowing myself to grow. Just the 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 transition alone and the the place worthiness is in the transition. It's like, it's almost like you're so scared, not scared, let me find the right word. It's almost like you're so cautious with how you approach this space because of how much doubt was sowed into you in a previous area. That's exactly right. I think that um, it took me a number of years to heal mm. from the machine. Because that's what it is. Yes. The, the industrial complex. <laughs> a friend of mine and I call it the overachiever industrial complex. Oh, okay. That's so accurate. Um, especially because I was part of a I've been part of a number of scholarship communities where it's all about... Overachiever, top of the top, cream wow. of the crop, we take the best of the best. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Leaders, all of that. <sighs> and I think the sad thing about those environments is that they don't leave room for humanity. Mm. They don't leave room for the fact that our lives are going to play out over the period of our of a lifetime, right? Yes. 
So it's not a race to collect all of the gold stars. And not all that glitters is gold. So Oof, that's right. So when I say I had to heal from that, um, what I mean is that I was no longer trying to earn my worthiness. Mm. Because that's what a lot of the work environment requires of you. Okay. I'm infamously known for like pause and playbacks when I hear something that I feel like is so profound and I think you just said something there. You no longer had to earn your worthiness. Yeah. Yeah. But they happened in such a painful way, Mali. Like it's so I don't want to trivialize uh, the process. Yes. By focusing on me on the outcome. Yes. Right? So how I came to the revelation mm. of not earning worthiness was, um, you know, once I had left that environment, watching people be like, oh, so what are you doing now? I mean, are you worth me engaging or not? Because that's what it is, right? There's a culture of like, what you do equates to like, if you are worth my time. Or even to be treated like a human being. Let's start there. Exactly. And so I'm watching people that I grew up with, so to speak. Crazy. Completely disregard me. Right. Um, I went to England. I didn't come back with my masters. Yeah. And so I'm dealing with the disappointment of my parents Mm. who are like, ma'am, you went to, you know, <laughs> to go get your masters. What happened? Yes, and we invested in you, etc. And they were quite um, clear about their disappointment. Oh. And so it required me sitting with myself to be like, no, I'm still worthy, mm-hmm. even without the shiny job, even sure. without the certificate from a fancy university overseas. Even without, so it was losing those signifiers of worth. It was not having the validation from the world. Yeah. It was being alone with myself and realizing I literally only had me in my corner. That I had to, it was like a survival instinct. Mm. I had to come to that conclusion. But no, my worthiness is actually inherent. And it's still a process of like believing it because we there's a lot of unlearning we have to do. Um, but do you see that actually? But now I can look back and be like, oh, that set me free. <laughs> yes, and I think like I I'm just like listening to you and I'm just thinking about how painful it must have been also to just have to sit in the face of disappointment. Um, and for yourself but also for like watching the faces of disappointment mm-hmm. from your loved ones. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like a double, like double, like trigger. It's mm-hmm. yourself obviously, because there's this like massive guys of like, I'm excellent, I've been performing since I, I mean, probably since I could walk, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, everything has affirmed that like overperformance and like overachiever in me. And here I am now in the face of like something that I was like, okay, I'm going to go do this thing. And then I come back. Like I just, I'm imagining like how very difficult it is to start to sit with yourself in that process. Because I think it's so easy to run away from that because that feeling is like, it's, it's all encompassing. It's like, it's, this might kill me. Yes, who am I without it? Yeah. And it's like an armor. I always feel like sometimes... Being, you know, you mentioned earlier before we started recording, like being the eldest daughter and like kind of playing certain roles in our lives builds us and gives us this armor. It's like being the eldest daughter, being the person who's getting A's at school, being the overachiever who is also well liked. Mm-hmm. So, like, the likability mm-hmm. element, you know, of like people liking me when, oh, when they're this around, this is so great. Like, you know, and these are all the things that builds the layers that actually you need to start to sift through and I think like it ties in so nicely to like 
what we were talking about before we got on air was about how you get to a point of self-acceptance. And I think like you asked me how you do it and I think that is the first thing is like getting rid of the armors that you've placed on yourself bit by bit. And it's not easy and it's not like this like And it's not an overnight thing. And you are actually doing life and living life as you're doing it, yes. which means as you're getting rid of one piece of armor, there's something else that's glitching on here to try to replace. <laughs> and you've also kind of got to be really clear on what you're trying to heal here, yeah. you know? Um, and so, like, I just think it's, like, it's so powerful that you were able to get to a point where you feel like you're free from feeling that you have to earn worthiness. Yeah. You know? Look, if, I, if there was advice I could give to any eldest daughter, mm. it's disappoint everybody <laughs> as soon as possible. And I feel like I need to hear that because I think that's the thing that I didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... And the stakes get higher over time. And they do, and they do. And it gets like really interesting because at some point, and I mentioned this in another recording that I was doing, is like how I got to a point of like paying attention to myself and my energy and my capacity and being okay with disappointing other people because I was not abandoning myself. Yes. And... You know, like it's it's such a scary thing. I think for an eldest daughter, it's such a scary thing to be able to sit in and realize that not everyone's like not everything that I do will please somebody else. Mm -hmm. But I need to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, you need to choose what you do. Yes, of course. First of all, because I think the the other part of shadow work, which is what I think it was for me is, you know, when you are disappointing people mm. um, or when you are saying no or I'm not available, mm. um, there's also like a hero complex you need to let go of. Saviour, yes, that saviour complex. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because, and it comes with the whole people-pleaser, overachiever dynamic. Because mm. you're like, if in the corner, you know, does it make a show back, everything goes according to plan. And it actually has the effect of disempowering the people around you, mm-hmm. you know, because they know, but I know, and we don't need to bite you guys, Lee's going to come with truth, just watch, you know what I mean, whatever the case might be. And so it's also allowed me to respect um, Abantu that I have around me, Abantu in my family, you know, as my younger sister becomes her own person, etc. Um, and their capabilities. Yes. So by me stepping back... You're letting them step into themselves. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. You said something very um, interesting about... Um, just now, you are talking about... Being careful of the savior complex and letting go of control and all of that. Which is tying very beautifully into the question I want to ask you when we talk about this journey um, and what it's been teaching you. So having to sit in the disappointment and kind of let it go to find yourself as Lerato worthy before anything else. You go on this journey now, you're in Grahamstown, you're exploring, you don't even know. Because that's also now a letting go of control. Yes. You don't know uh, the person who is now your mentor is not there and you have to figure this thing out you don't quite know what it is but you have to figure this thing out because there is a truth that lives inside of you that is so sure that this is it I don't know how I don't know why but this is the thing I need to keep chasing keep following keep finding keep looking for Mm. Um, and you just know man like I remember there was a moment um, at last year's festival where um, I think it was Umbusa Kosa mm. who was playing and 
so he's he's the vocalist ne? and the storyteller he's holding space mm-hmm. he's got usbu mashilwane and playing bikoli mesh playing on the keys mm-hmm. he's got dalisu bikoli mudaliti mm-hmm. playing on the uh, the double bass so his band is already incredible so mm-hmm. i'm watching something interesting happen on stage mm-hmm. right um i'm looking at it from the perspective of a facilitator like a leadership development practitioner like oh these people are communicating yes. oh, so they're listening to each other i'm watching like baba umusokoza looking at these young kids with so much admiration because wow. they're brilliant musicians right mm-hmm. so i'm like okay i'm having a moment here and then he starts singing and explaining the, the essence mm. of why we make these sounds and how universal they are and literally so exactly that yeah reaction that you had <laughs> it felt like i was transported to somewhere else mm. so when you're taking um, photos of stage let's say the audience the first row is here mm-hmm. there's like a little gap between the yes. stage and So you're sitting on the floor like crouching and I remember my hands were shaking. Yes. Which is not good if you're a photographer. <laughs> you need a steady hand. My hands are shaking and my eyes are watering. Mm. And in that moment I felt like first of all, oh my god, this exists. This wow. It felt like I was experiencing the glory of God. Oh wow. And through our African identity. So it was like an answer to a prayer I didn't even know you had. Yes. Like oh my god. So there I am and I was like, "Oh, I okay. I'm where I'm supposed to be. That's my confirmation." Oh, that's beautiful. Um and that yeah it gives you courage just as you as you keep getting those little moments of confirmation you're like okay i'm going to stick to this i'm going to stick to this because mm-hmm. it's alive creativity is alive yes you know? uh, your calling mm-hmm. uh, it dances with you and moves with you mm-hmm. you know it's like okay you're resting come let me put on a show for you now are you ready to get up and then it it, it extends its hand yes. and then it like, let's go and we start skipping together you know it's literally alive um that's a beautiful way to put it actually yeah so so it gives you room to then continue to pursue this thing because mm-hmm. along the way you get these confirmations that you're doing what you're supposed to do um the the pull of the thing is is real and living mm. um and so even if people don't understand even on the days when you feel unworthy or you feel anxious or you feel you know overwhelmed you have those real experiences to go back to mm. you know it's okay if other people don't understand because you know what you experienced yeah it's almost like this intrinsic knowing that like this is it like it, and i wish there were words for it and maybe it's actually even good that there aren't any words for it because i think words would even diminish the feeling and the experience that you exist in right because it's timeless and it's sacred exactly um and so like exploring and stepping into something that is new and creative and beautiful mm-hmm. for you and i mean for many others i really believe that our lives are of service mm-hmm. we were here because we're here to serve others um and sometimes the thing that we pursue is a thing that serves us mm-hmm. in order for us to serve others yes. and that's just such a powerful dynamic to even just conceptualize like yes. whoa you, you know you have to heal you Your gift has to heal you before it can heal others. Oh my god. Oh my god. I never never thought of it like that. Wow. If you think, when you ask a musician like how do you write a song? Mm. Very few of them will say it's a technical process. Yeah. Most of them will tell you 
they are a vessel mm. that the melody comes to them. Right. And of course, your next question is, it comes from when? You know? Come with words, what's the experience, right? Um, but I, I love it because, number one, they're saying, um, I don't own this gift. <gasps> oh, yes. Yes. Right. So that's the first thing. A gift is given to you. And then number two, you are the vessel to serve others. Mm. Now, the reason it's important for the gift to heal you is so that you can be an effective vessel. Because if you are a leaky vessel, mm. Mm. right? So you think about an actual, like, I think of a bucket. You know, a bucket, if it has, like, holes, it's going to just, whatever you put in, it's going to seep out. Yes. It's dirty, and whatever comes into it will be contaminated by what's inside. And then it'll come out dirty. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, if it's not the right one, like then the owner can come and take it yes. from you. You understand? So, so the gift understands the work it's doing when it heals the vessel first. Because in order for you to be effective in serving others, you must be a good vessel. <sighs> you're saying some really powerful stuff here. And like, I'm... I'm kind of processing as you're speaking and I'm also my mind is being blown because I'm just like, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Because <laughs> I'm just like, so like, I, obviously I know this, this analogy of a vessel because I also, when I speak about the podcast, because I think this is one of my things, yes. this is one of my callings, um, by way of why and how I'm called to it. Like right now I'm in Johannesburg, kind of going to different places of Johannesburg recording. It sounds crazy. No one's going to get it. It doesn't make sense. And I'm okay with that. But it just won't let me go. You know, it just won't let me go. And just hearing you say that your gift will heal you and like, you know, being a vessel. Because whenever I... I sit, I do my part. I reach out to the people, I hold my breath, and I'm like, let's just hope they come say yes. And then I show up. And then I do the thing, and then I have to go and do, you know, the editing, and and then get it ready. The work. Get it ready for publish. But then once it goes Mm -hmm. into, you know, the the world, Mm -hmm. I always say this, is that once it goes into the world, I've released it. Like, I've shown up at every point where I needed to, where I was required, which is you got to put yourself out there to somebody and say, hey, I've got this thing that I'm doing. Would you like to come and sit with me and talk to me? Then I've got to show up and also be present for the conversations and do this thing. And then I've got to go home work my way through all of the anxieties and the thoughts that come up with anything that you're doing that I think you don't feel that you have credibility in. Yes. You know. The doubt. Yes, the doubt. Um, the Bazutina Bantu sometimes, you know, because that's real. Like sometimes you just do have moments where you're like, ah, maybe this podcast I share too much or ish, you know, but then I do that. So that by the time it's over, now that I'm reflecting as you're speaking, actually, maybe that is the process of the healing, is all of it, is every time I show up, every time I reach out, whether the answer is yes or no, it's like this muscle that's being built inside of me that affirms me that I am enough, that I am also showing up for this thing that's showing up for me. For you, yes. There's a relationship mm. to giving the gift, right? Because, and that's why it won't let you go. Mm. You belong to each other. You need each other. <laughs> you know? Wow. You need the gift to be the truest version of yourself. And it needs you in order to be effective. Yeah, and to do its work. Whatever the work is. In whomever it is. You know, because... I think about like when, like when I started seeing your pictures, it was such an interesting thing because like you posted it on 
Twitter. Yes. And like obviously we haven't had like a proper sit down talk to each other in years. Yes. You know. <laughs> so it was just like, whoa, okay, girl, girls just out here, just like. This is what you do. Yeah, like, but also not in a. Who does she think she is? Way in a. Oh my God, she's just gonna try it. Like it's okay to just go and try this thing that seems so far out of reach or out of your scope mm. because as people I think we give ourselves scopes for whatever reason which is ridiculous mm. and then you know and, I, and I, I felt inspired and I think like for many people who will be on the podcast there's always an element of being inspired mm. and wanting to learn and being curious about their journey and, and how they you know how they got there? What did they have to wage war on yes. to get there? Well, let me tell you. Because <laughs> that's what I want to know. Yes. What do you have to wage war on to be here? Yes. To keep being here? I'll tell you about my weapons and then I'll tell you about the war. Okay, <laughs> let's go. Um, so one huge advantage mm. um, has been having people around me who are just as crazy as me <laughs> and actually drawing nearer to those people because yes. they've always been there mm-hmm. but but once you know how much courage it takes to answer the call mm. then you're like hey girl I know we haven't spoken in years but, but like yes. talk to me about this <laughs> and so that's a that's a huge part of it. It's, yes. You know, I have friends who have made documentaries or have published books or mm. write poetry or, you know. And so that's the first thing. It's like it makes everything feel so much more possible. Yeah. Um, and if my, if any part of my journey can be that for the next person, yeah. then I will have done my job. Because someone did that for me, you know, and um, and it's the more of us that believe that this kind of work matters, mm-hmm. you know, that it um, has its role in society and that it's effective, um, the more we are healed, you know. Um, so that's been a big part of it. <clears throat> uh, the things that I war against Mm, that's a big question (laughs) because look the honest to god truth is there's things that you have to wage war against whether they're inside of you yes or they're actually actively living outside of you yes so internally one thing for example was the idea of perfection yes um, that I couldn't take the approach to execution that I used to from corporate mm. into my creative endeavors mm-hmm. because it just wasn't a healthy energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, so there is no perfect. There's only did I do my best? Yes. And can I answer that question honestly? (laughs) Yes. If I need to push more, then there's a vuka from the bed and push, you know? Yes. Um, But if I know that I left it all on the screen, so to speak, then I can have peace. So so overcoming perfectionism was huge for me. Huge, huge, huge. and part of it was because the, the pictures that I thought were like technically good um, were not the same pictures that people connected with mostly. Are you serious? Okay, mm. say more. The pictures that people connected with were the ones that captured a moment in time. A know? feeling. Yeah, that had like a magic to them mm. almost. Um, and I think, look, as time goes, I trust God that there'll be a marriage of the technical and the, the magic. Um, but but it, 
it meant that I had to like step outside of myself and be like, okay, by the way, it's not about me. Yeah. This is about service. Yes. So let me just do my part, like you said, and then put it out into the world. Yes. So perfectionism was a big one. Um, I think another one was, yeah, this idea of like what people think about you. Yes, like massive. Um, <laughs> one of the gifts I think of, me- of having mental illness is I think that madness is a kind of freedom. <laughs> okay. So, there's a way that like you can disconnect from what is considered reality yes. and have your own real experience. Mm-hmm. So for me, Kansiti, I was sitting in the garden listening to Simpiwe Dana and the song said, mm. And like, I just knew, okay, that's what I gotta do. To me, that's like, that's just as real as taxes. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? Yes. Um, and so, so, so there's a part of me that likes to brand myself as a little bit loopy, a little bit. Okay. I guess you gotta be a little bit like crazy to really go after what you want. Because like everyone's, you know, sees something and you see something completely different. It's almost like you've gotta be able to. It's that whole thing, like Hebrews 11 says faith is to believe what you do not see, but to see what you believe. That's actually what it is is to see something that no one else can see, but you have full conviction and you believe it wholeheartedly. Yeah. And creativity to me is fundamentally an exercise in faith. Sure, that is true. A discipline of faith. Um, You know, Abbasali, speaking of of other people and what they think, Shame Abbasali, you can imagine they had this like perfect shiny daughter. Oh, yeah. And now they need to explain to people that she's not doing photography. (laughs) So I was like, okay, show me what they must be feeling. Mm. Um, And it was so beautiful, just the grace with which it was revealed. But the fear that they have, or the hesitation I might be um, anticipating, Mm. is actually fear. Okay. It's actually that the traditional path is secure, supposed to be secure. It's supposed to be, not currently now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, whereas taking this path seems so much risky. It's like starving artist vibes. Eh, hey, but now we speak against the spiritual. Oh, we definitely reviewed that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Thriving artist. Yes. Um, but, but I had to be at peace with no one seeing what I see. Mm. I, even now, like, you just have to be okay with it and be like, guys, just trust me. Yeah. Like right now, we're sitting in your studio that is sort of starting to be finished. It's like brand new. Like with, It's the building blocks, which is such an honor for me to be here even. Um, and I'm so happy that you're here on this day. Because, um, number one, there'll be a time when we look back at this time and of be course. like, oh, this is where we started. Yeah. But also, this is an answered prayer. Mm. You know, um, I said, Lord, I want to have a professional space to work. And, mm. You know, I said, Lord, I want to have a space for other creatives to come and have a meeting. Or the things that I didn't have as I was starting out. Yes. Help me provide it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and he literally gave me the thing that I had pictured. Yes. Right down to the small detail. The tiniest detail. You know. So that's the rewarding thing about faith is as you exercise in faith and as you are obedient with the instructions that mm-hmm. you are given. There is, there are real results. Yeah, you know, um, and and that's what makes it worth it. You know, is that that delusion is only delusion to people 
until it becomes a reality. Yes. Then they're like, oh yeah, go on, Jay. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Oh my God, man, you just interview us as, a ch- as children, you know? <laughs> when you have the platform that you're going to have, you mm-hmm. know? And so there's this thing, my point is that having the courage to be like, indeed, I see mm. what no one else sees. And to me, the thing that keeps me sane is that it's not my vision, it's the bonisiwe. Yes. It's an instruction. Um, so I don't need to, I don't need to control it. I just know that this is what I gotta do. Mm. <laughs> and then when I do it, God shows up in a big way, man. Yeah, and things have been moving fast. I mean, you've been doing this for how long? A year? One year, and um, for the people who are listening, you have you've moved from going Jay to the Graham Stone Festival to now being invited to exhibit at the festival in a mere twelve months. And something quite interesting in the spanner is that you're actually undergoing a project of what. Creating a documentary? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, how did that come about? Oh, right. Was that another instruction? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was, there was a time I was a little bit disillusioned mm. with, um, with photography. You know, you have a complicated relationship with your gifts, right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, listen, man, I'm gonna need you to feed me. I'm gonna need you to like, uh, show up. You gotta show up. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was in this period where I was like, I need a fresh anointing. Mm. Um, I was concerned that, like, what's the difference between being boring slash stale and having a signature? Yes. Right? So I was like, okay, I'm doing this black and white photography. Um, generally, when people look at pictures, they can tell, oh... This is somebody. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, they know who took it. And so I wasn't sure that I was, like, growing at the pace that I needed to be growing at. It wasn't clear for me how I was going to commercialize. I was just... I had questions. Yes. Know? I needed yes. an update. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's what was revealed to me. was like, okay, the same way that you came into this to serve the musical community to yeah. come and you know document their stories for history to respect the gifts that they have and them answering their callings mm-hmm. and how their music heals us as an audience mm-hmm. you know and um, now we can we can flesh that out a little bit yes you know so let's move it from a still picture to a moving picture wow and God said, I'm going to hold your hand through this. I'm going to send you people who have done this before mm-hmm. and who are more than happy to help you, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, so yeah, so I put together like a little advisory committee for oh. the documentary. <laughs> Guys, I don't know what I'm doing, but this is what I think, yes. you know? And um, they were like, okay, these are the resources you need. This is how you figure out your point of view as an artist, and this is how we're willing to help you as well. Mm. Um, and so, and that's how I know it's a God thing: is that there's always abundance. Oh wow! There's, people just show up ready to impart their knowledge. Mm. You know? um, there's no sense of competition. They're just mm. like, how can we help you tell the story that's on your heart? Mm. You know? Um, yeah, so there's moments where I catch myself and I'm like, who do I think I am? People go to film school, da 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 for this. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the two new way. I'm yeah. just here to be obedient. So yeah. my job is to do it as excellently as possible, to represent the kingdom world. You know, mm-hmm. all of that will still apply. Um, but I'm doing what I was told. You know what I really love hearing that you like as you're speaking. I'm just hearing uh, about how you are like being obedient to your gift, 
And the thing about the gift is that when God has given you something and placed something in you, He has fully qualified you. Mm. Like, there's even a, a verse in the Bible, I'm going to paraphrase it now, but it says, God doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called. And then, and as you move with God, which I appreciate because, like, He's so at the center, is is like you're saying every step is a step of faith mm-hmm. and a step of being obedient mm-hmm. to the gift and as you're moving it's like I think it's so important for people to recognize that like as much as it's amazing um, to study and get qualified mm-hmm. for certain things there are other things in your life that God will really pull you into where it's just like deep end and you're just like oh my god I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my God. Because he needs you to have that complete reliance on him. him. And he needs to orchestrate every step, which means he needs to connect you. He needs you to be on social media Jay, one day and then have the audacity to reach out to somebody yes. and say, hey, would you like to be my podcast? Mm-hmm. And they say yes. And you're like, oh, I didn't think oh you were going to say yes. <laughs> you know? No, I actually have to do it. You know? And then it's like, okay. And... Every single thing where God is concerned is so perfect in its timing. Yes. You know, before we started recording, you're talking about how, because we were supposed to have this conversation a week ago, and you were like, I'm so glad that we're having it today because, like, before you would have seen a very put together version. Yeah. Whereas now you're seeing exactly what it is because yes. this is exactly where you are. Literally. Right? We're and sitting on the floor <laughs> of an empty studio. Yeah. And for me, this is why the space exists for me but I think why it's important for others to have it is to not see the well put together bits only it's good to be well put together we're all raised to be you know there's there's a time and a place Mm -hmm. but life isn't put together and like there's so many messy parts to life and how we're doing and navigating through life that I just feel it's so important for us to have these conversations and just to be really honest and being able to recognize that sometimes shifting gears and finding a new career is as simple as I heard something in a song yeah. and it spoke to me and I was like, this is the next thing that I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and also understanding yourself better. Yes. So a big part of this process, or it's happened parallel, is um, discovering and accepting my neurodivergence. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when I think about whether I'm going to spend X many thousands on a photography course, um, I have to think about, okay, is the classroom environment the best way for me to be learning this thing? And sometimes it's not. Exactly. So for me, what I found is I learn best when I have a teacher, but you're teaching me as we do. Yeah, I also find that. Yeah, and you like get to make something. So you're you're comparing the the work of your hand. And it's not theory. It's like mm-hmm. practical. Like I learn by doing. It's like the hardest way to learn sometimes, but it is also sometimes the most effective. Yes, you know, because you can see version one, version two, version three, mm-hmm. and so now, um, so. I, my point is I don't want to devalue learning. I think it's, it's important. It's just about understanding how you learn. So now I'd rather take that money and invest it in the equipment plus maybe like an online course or a combination, a couple sessions with a mentor or whatever the case might be mm. and figure it out that way than have a piece of paper be the thing that qualifies me because God is going to Amen. And especially in this space, right? Like, it's not to discredit, and people must not get us wrong here. Yeah. There's so much merit in qualifications. I mean, we both studied, you know, we have qualifications in specific areas. But what we're trying to say is, like, the unfolding of self doesn't begin and end at your qualification point. And it doesn't begin and end in the space um, you chose to qualify in. There is so much more to you as a human being. And if you just stop a little bit and you, you take a moment to listen like to yourself, to, to God, to your people, um, 
when they speak to you and just exhale life's expectations and just step into what you feel in like your bones deep inside of you that this is who you're meant to be. They won't put you to shame. They won't put you to shame. You know, and it's just like, there's so much freedom in doing that work, um, but it is work. And look, the other thing is that you can't connect the dots going forward. Mm-hmm. You can only connect them going back. Right, right, right. So you take your life experiences, you take your qualifications with you. Exactly. Where you go. So I know, for example, that starting... At the age that I started, mm-hmm. um, means that my trajectory will happen at a different pace mm-hmm. than if I started when I was twenty-one. Yes, right? very true. Because number one, this is not my first business. Yes. So I know how to look at a market and say, okay, this piece is how you can develop um, deliver value without getting paid for it necessarily. Yes. Because you're building relationships, you're contributing to the ecosystem. Yes. And these people are clients, but they're not the ones who are going to pay you. Mm. This here is where the opportunity is. Yes. And you take this opportunity and you, like, have that fund, the other thing. You know what I mean? So my point is, like, the economics degree, the, you know, business I had before, all of those things position me to be a working artist as opposed to a girl with an expensive hobby. Yes. They position me to take risks because entrepreneurship is a risk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they position me to, you know, want to continuously push myself and try new things and mm-hmm. bring other people into the vision and 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 because of the life that I had before. Mm-hmm. You know? So I also want to maybe emphasize with you, you don't become a different person mm. when you... Okay, you do become a different person. What I mean to say is <laughs> that you take your life experiences with you where you go. It's you are a total sum of everything, mm-hmm. and everything is inclusive of what you've studied, your actual real-life events, mm. the relationships, mm-hmm. your learnings... And your growth. You take yourself with you everywhere you go. And I think it's beautiful. And I think it's like, it's just so incredible to just watch the bravery it takes to shift this massively. Because it's like, brave to self. Then you have to kind of stand on the the foot of bravery again with your family, Mm -hmm. your community, Mm -hmm. then to the world. Oh, we thought we had you figured out. You were this person. And now it's like, surprise, I'm also this. (laughs) And so I think it's just, it's really beautiful. And I thank you so much for having me in this space and allowing me to see the humble beginnings of what will become such a beautiful studio, a a world-renowned place, whether it's in this building or somewhere else. You know, where people will look for you. People already know your name. So Which is wild, by the way. So I need to deal with what my fear of visibility. <laughs> yes. I think all of us do. Yes. Um, but thank you, yeah. I think like just being able to be here and to be able to sit in the humbleness of this part of mm-hmm. your journey and you know minimum vulnerable real space for me is all the more inspiring as opposed to just seeing the finished product you know because very few people get to see the beginning Mm. some people are fortunate enough to see the middle Mm -hmm. but most people see you on the other side of the tunnel where things are fully set up um, and you're not driving around with a laptop and a little microphone <laughs> yes. and creating a virtual studio, you know. Um, but there's goodness even here. Yeah, there's goodness even here. And 
that's what I want to thank you for, is that this conversation is you being a witness as well, right? As a friend standing next to me and being like, I see you. Mm. you know? And this is you being an archivist too, because as I say, in a couple of years, we'll be listening to this and being like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's been um, a way to reaffirm what I know to be true. Beginnings are scary, mm. you know, when, when the, the picture you have in your mind isn't fully realized mm. yet, right? When you're sitting in an empty studio on a blanket, um, there's doubt that can creep in. But this conversation has allowed me to declare out loud and therefore why I'm here, you know, and like just fortify my spirit that no man I'm here because I'm supposed to be and reclaim parts of your worthiness even more like more of yourself more of your gift like there's just so much power in being able to even recognize where you are versus where you were and then just to also be able to say, okay, even here, I can still be brave yes. and I can still take the next step, yes. the next scary step, which I think a lot of us need. So before we close, yes. I want to read for you my favorite poem. And this poem is actually the foundation for the business. So the business is called Wild Geese Studios. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's after this poem by Mary Oliver called Wild Geese. And so that's the poem that I'm going to read. So it says, the first line is, you do not have to be good. <laughs> right? Because you're worthy. <laughs> you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination. It calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank okay. you. in the family of things. Well, mm. there we have it. Wild Geese Studios. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Lerato Pagate. Hooray. Thank you, Ali. <laughs>